Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. I am Charles Alderson and you wonderful people are listening to the Filmmakers Podcast. You know that I just said that. I repeated it because why not? Um, wow, what a week it's been. Not only did we announce that The Dare has, is playing at the Popcorn Frights Festival on the 9th of August. If you're anywhere near Miami, anywhere near Fort Lauderdale, get down, come see me and Johnny Grant. We're going to be there doing a Q&A after the screening. I'm super excited. Richard Short might come down as well. Shh, don't say anything. I can't wait. Also, tomorrow, I believe, bloody disgusting, shh, this is also a secret, are doing an exclusive with some stills and they're dropping the trailer. <sighs> yeah, we had fantastic issues this week with that. But anyway, you don't want to know about that. You want to know that it is potentially <laughs> going to be on Bloody Disgusting tomorrow. Exclusive. Exclusive. An exclusive exclusive of the trailer of my film, The Dare. Yep, my directed it and co-wrote it with Johnny Grant. I'm super excited. I can't wait for you all to see it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of exciting things this week, uh, A Serial Killer's Guide to Life was announced at Fright Fest. The film I produced along with Staten Cousins Row, who directed it, and Poppy Row and Charity Wakefield has got its world premiere at Fright Fest on the 24th of August. So if you're in London then, come see us. Tickets are available soon. They're not available yet. Fright Fest. That's cool. What a cool week. What a cool couple of weeks it's been. <sighs> okay, this week's podcast, uh, it is with the fantastic Grant Pitchler, who made his sci-fi time-traveling epic, traveling, traveling epic, in two days. Yep, that's what we're talking about today. We go in depth about how he did it. I'm amazed throughout this podcast of how he did it, but he did, and it's brilliant. Uh, it tells you all about how he raised the money, how he managed to do it, how he got his cast involved, the problems he had, how he lost five crew members. He only had ten to begin with. Uh, and how he still managed to make this film with him running around at a batshit crazy director, as we all are when we're doing our films. But for that, that must have been insane. So stay tuned. This is what's coming up for you lovely people. It's how to make a film in two days a feature film no less a sci-fi film no less a time travelling film no less Grant's a great guy uh, I spent a lot of time chatting with him so really do look forward to that so it is the Make Your Film event tonight this evening Tuesday night if you listen to this after Tuesday it makes no bloody difference to you at all but for those of you listening on Tuesday it is tonight for those of you I'm going to see there tonight I'll see you tonight at the Make Your Film event uh, it's super exciting James Kent uh, big director, we've got Andy Patterson, producer and writer of The Railway Man, Girl with the Pearl Earring, and we've got the wonderful indie producer Alexa War uh, from I Love Your Mum and Black Side. It's going to be an amazing event. It's pretty much sold out, so if you've got a ticket, I'll see you there. If you're lucky enough to grab a ticket on Tuesday morning when this goes out, congratulations to you. But it's, I reckon it'll be sold out by lunchtime. Um, ah, that's a lot of people in that room. It's going to be cool as F. Link to that is in the show notes. Better getting quick for the next one. I've got some great guests for the next one as well. Anyway, I have to tell you about Screen Crafts short screenplay competition. If you've got a short 
um, put it in the Screencraft competition. Right now, it's early deadline at the moment. Uh, it's the early bird deadline. Final deadline is July the 31st because this year's jury includes people from Cannes, Sundance and Short of the Week. And you can win £1,000 by entering. Uh, we've got Alice Karubi. Uh, she's the head of the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, Sandeep Sharma. He's a short film submissions guy at Sundance Film Festival. Uh, Andrew Allen is the founder and managing director of Short of the Week. And Linda Ozalski is the creative executive at Shorts TV. I mean, that is an amazing people to see your script. Get involved. Do it now. If you've got a script out there, have a look. Screencraft.org. Link is in the show notes. All these things, links are in the show notes. Um, for those of you who got your free copy of Shotlister last week, congratulations. I hope you're enjoying it. I love it. It's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it great? You want your free copy? Keep listening. You'll find out. Um, rain dance people this week. What a rain dance offering. They're offering you 20% off something amazing. I'm looking it up. That's why I'm singing like a loon. <laughs> Oh, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing with myself. This week I've been um, writing a couple of scripts, prepping King Arthur. Uh, I'm also doing this TV show at the moment, which is presenter-led, and that's really interesting. So I'm writing all the scripts for that, getting locations. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you more about that later. But there's lots going on at the moment, and I'm a little bit boof. My head's going a little bit crazy. Um, trying to put them all in order of things that you need to do, but you need to do this. And all I'm doing is just trying to be a good filmmaker and get things done um, and get films made. And that's what I want you to do. And if I inspire in any way, or if you just think, what a dick, then fair enough. <laughs> fair play to you. Um, I'm humble as well. Uh, I'm a great dick. So, <laughs> is that the right thing to say? Yes, I've been so busy, big time, I'm giving it big time anyway, um, that the wonderful Robbie McCain, he has edited and produced this podcast. Thank you, Robbie, you're a star. Follow him at Robbie McCain on Twitter and give him some love. He'll be there tonight at the Make Your Film event as well, so do say hello. He'll be running the sound desk. Give him a wave. Say hi, Robbie. Do it. Uh, next week's podcast is going to be with either Colin Goody the Star Wars editor, Rogue One editor, the Monsters editor, or it's going to be with, this is exciting, or it's, drum roll, or it's with um, the Shakespeare sisters who made soundtrack to 16, um, feature film, or it is with the director of Robert the Bruce, Richard Gray. Oh yeah, so you have got some ace podcasts to look forward to coming up. One of those is next week. Which one are you the most excited about? Let me know on Twitter. At FilmmakersPod or me, at Giles Alderson. How about that for a little link? Oh, that was exciting. You can follow us at PodFix Network or find all our back catalogue of podcasts at FilmmakersPodcast.com. 116 of them, all on filmmaking. You can make your film now. Nothing. It's all there for you. Seriously. Kind of is. Uh, the link for everything is in the show notes. Because that's the place to go. Go to the show notes. I might even put the link to the tickets to the dare in there. And when the Serial Killer's Guide to Life info comes out, I'll put that in there too. Yeah. Place to hang out. Um, I will see most of you at the Make Your Film event tonight, Tuesday night. Uh, for the rest of you, um, 
I won't. <laughs> but you can look forward to the trailer of the dare dropping on Wednesday ish. I'm saying ish because it's hey, who knows? And it's time difference might be Thursday. Ah, anyway, here's Grant Pitcher. Enjoy this week's Filmmakers Podcast. It is my absolute delight to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Grant Pitchler. Hello, mate. Hello, Giles. How's it going? Very well, buddy. Very well. We had a little problem with Skype there, didn't we? But we made it. Yeah. We've done it. Mm-hmm. Because you are in, not I, LA. Nope. I am in Michigan, very Michigan. close to Detroit. Nice. I've not been there. Is it pleasant? Is it good for filmmaking? <sighs> um, actually, for filmmaking, yes. Uh the, it's not so. It's not like LA and New York where things have become almost a nuisance because everyone has a camera. So it's still sort yeah. of you get a lot of urban opportunities. You get uh, rural, all types of different shooting places, and people are genuinely excited about it still. See, that's good. Yeah. Right, because mm-hmm. in London, no chance. LA, no chance. But right. some of the rural areas, and I've had this quite a lot on the podcast, is people will suddenly go, "Do you know what? You can ask." And people kind of like it for the first two hours, but by then you're already in and, you know, they can't get rid of you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, we used to do and we're, we're featuring your sign, you know, of your shop or your school or whatever. And, you know, if exactly. you piss us off, we won't show it. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of tricks, right? Uh, I suppose that must help being in that area to make things happen for you. Yeah, definitely. And with our film in general, um, it, it, you know, it's it's incredibly low budget and it was also a huge gamble to begin with. Uh, like probably the biggest gamble I've ever taken um, so far to really? date. Living in these types of areas, you can take risks and people like to help out, I guess I should say. That's kind of what you want, that community spirit, people get behind it. Because then when you have a screening or any, you know, or when you talk about it, uh, people know. They go, oh, no, no, they, we know those guys and girls. They came down to see us, you know, they, they shot around this area. And that, that must feel nice, right? It's community spirit. Yeah, surely. exactly. And in particular with our film, um, so all of our actors were working in, in for the love of filmmaking. Um, and we were like very fortunate to get guys like Mason Hydra, our lead, um, who was, yeah. he was in Batman versus Superman. So it's like he's going from a Zack Snyder production to coming on and playing a lead here. And it's just sort of this, uh, a good filmmaking atmosphere where as soon as he was on and then our lead actress came on, everyone was just like, on board like let's let's just try and make film for film's sake uh one of those scenarios so it it was uh i don't know it was a great uh great example of what could be busted out in just two days the fact that you made making time in two days is incredible and i cannot wait to talk about it it's a really cool film and uh, people should go see this and support but not only because it's a cool film but because you made it in two days and people should see how you can actually do that. Um, we will get back to making time mm-hmm. in a little bit. First of all, I want to talk about your journey and why, in the end, you decided to make a feature film in two days. So let's mm-hmm. jump back. Why did you start? Why did you want to be a filmmaker? Because that's always interesting. Um, well, I would say when I was like way back in high school and even before then, so I was probably 10, 12, 13, I just love being able to film something and then see it and then laugh at it with my friends, right? Like that's probably everyone's start. <laughs> when I graduated and decided to go to college, I had spent so much time editing my own things and like doing sports videos and stuff that I felt like I could probably make this little niche hobby into some sort of career. And so that's currently at, what I do right now is video production for um, a 
corporation. Um, but in the meantime, uh, in college, I had grad school, and instead of doing like an 80-page thesis, uh, we had the opportunity to do a film project. And of course, I was oh. like, well, let's go for the feature. Let's do it. Um, I found a script back on Amazon Studios when that used to be a thing. Um, we ended up shooting like 34 days and came one under schedule, um, like hundred, like a hundred people involved, 20 locations. It was just this big thing. And with tons of support and management and logistics and figuring it out, we made that film happen. And no one, there was never a moment where like, you know, people were at their wits end or anything like that. So that was Niner, right? Yes, that was Niner. Um, yeah, we ended up playing it in three theaters in Michigan. Um, wow! But because it was a theater, or because it was a student thesis, part and, of the university, yeah, yeah, and everyone was so like unknown, we didn't necessarily like feel that this is going to be v- worth it at this time to pursue. You know, like we just didn't think this could be Sundance. We were being realistic. So, um, flash forward yeah. five years of like getting a house, getting married, um, getting a job, all those things. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> now I was at a point where actually my, my boss had watched Niner and this is after I'd been working with him for a few years. And he just said, this, this can't be your one and done thing. Like you guys really, um, knocked it out of the park. So if you have anything else, like, I, I just think you need to go for it. Like, just try it. And I, I, I was and I still am in a position in my life where I can't do 34 shooting days like with Niner. Like, that's just mm. when you're working full-time job and you've, we have a side business on the side and it's just so much to take on. Like, I couldn't even imagine giving up 17 weekends of the year just to keep filming. Like, you got to have a life too. So, I'm sure. So, I started thinking about, um, I saw the film Victoria, which became the, yep. in, the inspiration, all shot in one single take. And yeah, I started. Amazing film, by the way. If you've not seen that, yeah. Um, Filmmakers Podcast listeners, do go see it. It's brilliant. It's so good. It ends up one take. A fascinating case study, too, because mm. they shot it once all in two hours and 20 minutes. So, it's huge. And then the director said, there was things we missed. Let's do it again. Everyone reset. So they reset the whole movie and shot mm. it again that night. And then a third time shot it a third time. And that's the yeah. one that went on to win that's awards. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. And so, apparently you um, said even in that one, there was things that he wasn't particularly happy with. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, it's all about preparation with something like that. And if you've prepped really well, mm-hmm. you can get away with it. You can do it. Uh, so that was your inspiration. You, you, you took that and went, do you know what? If he can do that. Yeah. Why can't I? Yeah. And I was, the thing is, if you spend like a year or something or two years of your life working on something, but you hinder yourself to only one take, then in my opinion, you end up with things like, I feel that when I watch The Revenant or even Birdman or, or Victoria, there are moments where you can tell like, Hey, this would be a better film if they could cut out some of this sort of like, filler like where people are just kind of walking um and nothing's happening so i felt like man i don't want to give up two years on a project and not and and be so hindered so we sort of took a hybrid style of like um i would run a steady cam and basically do entire scenes in one take while we had a b and a c 
on like zoom lenses picking off close-ups or shots of you know the props or motifs or anything like that and that would be our like strategy so this is obviously what you plan you know for making time right this is what you were thinking about right okay that's how i'm gonna do it where did the idea come from in the first place where did you think obviously you saw these like victoria and said i want to do something like that but still Mm -hmm. to pull off something in two days i know phil hawkins did it with his film um uh being sold Mm-hmm. yep that's right yeah but a lot of his was outside he you know he used again three cameras and did it that way what was because it blows my mind you know you go okay you could probably do that you can maybe think about okay you could do it a theater way get all the actors fully prepared and just shoot it like a theater piece but you mm-hmm. didn't yours is properly shot move from here to there, reaction reverse mm-hmm. everything it's full on it's <laughs> a proper film done in two days well thanks Giles. That, i really appreciate that incredible <laughs> <laughs> it is it's impressive and it's also inspiring for people out there the fact that it's your second film as well it's not your debut film and you went mm-hmm. no no i haven't got time i love that i've got two jobs you know and i've got side business i've got family I, mm-hmm. I know i'll do it in two days originally so the goal was like okay let's shoot something in a day right and mm. as i was writing a script on top of a job and a half with our side business, my wife and I are avid DIY home people. So we had just purchased this house and we were, cha- we were renovating every single home and we were about to like embark on the main floor. We're going to take the kitchen and like level it and like take walls out. And, um, so the whole main floor of our house is going to go through this huge radical change. And I'm sitting here writing a script like, hmm, what should I like? you know, I was thinking about comedies and stuff and it just dawned on me. And with my wife's blessing, thank God. Um, <laughs> what if, what if I bring a whole bunch of actors here right now before this house changes and we yeah. shoot the, the past, we shoot act two after someone flies into the past and they land here and this is what they see. And so that's, and that would be the middle of the film. So it'd almost be like this magic trick we could pull that was real. You know, it wasn't like, oh, let's move some picture frames here or there. It's like, no, all of our cabinets are wiped out. Tables are gone. There's nothing painted. The floor looks like crap. It's just subfloor. Um, I thought, what if we took one night and busted that out, which was 61 pages of a script? Oh my God. And oh then, God. and then what if we came <laughs> back when the house renovation was completely done, which turned out to be seven months later? for one more mm-hmm. day and shoot that. Um, so it, it it was born out of necessity. Like I wanted to do something and I had all these creative juices going, but, yeah. and I saw this like little opportunity, like, could we do this? And could actors still show up seven months later? Is like, it's it's all a big gamble if, if, if it even comes together. And I'd never shot a feature. Like I didn't, I've never, there's no handbook on, hey, Here's how you shoot 61 pages on your first day of like meeting some of these actors. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I, so you hadn't met them, but you had, wait, you had rehearsed, right? You spent so, some time rehearsing. So I had met, um, probably two thirds of the actors in person on previous projects. Um, okay. And so a lot of it was good, nice enough where I could, I could call them on the phone, chat about like expectations. Um, we did do one day of rehearsal or actually it was kind of like a half day and another half day with certain actors who could get in. But wait, 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 that is 
mental. I thought yeah. you might have rehearsed it like a play for like a week before. No, no, you you rehearsed, rehearsed for two half days uh, oh my, and then went and shot um, this. Okay, Jazz, there's a lot about this story that is insane. I, I heard about Birdman. So Birdman, they shot, yeah, yeah. it looks like all in one take, but you know, it's like 13 it's big idea. takes. Yes. And they rehearsed that movie for three months before shooting. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't have the time for that. And it's only all be- the luxury, all the money. Yeah. Yeah. But. Like when everyone's volunteering and I've got two jobs and I'm renovating my house with my wife and it's like, Hey, it's now or never go for sure. it. It was like, I actually get this. Um, oh my God. And there's so, <laughs> so myself nor our leading actor, Mason, we had never met the leading actress, Tori. Until 9 p.m. before shooting a 61-page day in which they're romantic leads. Oh, my God. (laughs) And and it's I can see how that would come off as, well, that's sloppy or irresponsible. But she had experience in the Second City Conservatory. um, So it was a true improv, like, maestro. And I had chatted with her on the phone. But... But I had to pick her up from the train station because she was um, coming in from Chicago. And this is a whole other freaking twist to the so story. You, so your best time is when you picked her up. That's the most time you chatted. I love that. I love it. Yeah. All right. I'll, we'll chat on the way to the set. <laughs> it, but like she was supposed to be at the train station that morning around oh. like two or that afternoon around 2 p.m. So she could rehearse with Mason, get to know him. Well, the biggest blizzard in the last like three years hit that day. And so welcome to filmmaking. Yeah. So she, she missed the train and called me and was like, I, I can't get there. Like it's going to be an eight hour train ride and I need to catch the next one, which puts me back. Like you guys might not see me till like 8 PM tonight. And we just had to like suck it up because if, if I tried making this traditionally, if I spent, you know, five weeks rehearsing, then why wouldn't I just use those five weeks to shoot? So it was, yeah. this film couldn't have even been made unless it was done this way. Because I, I, I honestly was just at a point in my life where I, I couldn't go to my wife and say, I know we're in the middle of doing this house, but how about we put the whole life on hold, no more kitchen sink for another month and a half, you know, just so I can shoot this thing. It's kind of, it's crazy to, I don't, I'm just, I'm just so happy we pulled it off because it was a crazy yeah. gamble. Wow, I can't wait to talk more. So, where, okay, so you you had the idea that okay, we're renovating the house. Mm-hmm. Let me shoot a bit before get some actors together and shoot the end when I've renovated. But mm-hmm. where did you, the story come from in terms of mm. let's make it a time traveling story? How did you write it? What was your process to even think? There's <laughs> too many questions in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what was your writing process first? Um, so I definitely knew, like, all right, if. I had, I've listened to podcasts such as your own um, and, and probably a dozen others on filmmaking stuff. And one thing I kept coming back to was, well, if you're going to shoot something all in one day, then it pretty much has to be at one location. And I had also learned um, the guys who do Draft Zero had a had a great episode. And they basically boiled it down to, if you're going to shoot a movie that all takes place in one location then that location needs to be sort of a plot line itself. It has to hold immense weight. So mm. as I started to think, all right, first off, I want to capitalize on this house changing because this is like thousands of dollars of 
set design and production value, I'll never, I would never get back. Like I'm lucky that it was happening. So that was gonna happen. So that means he's gonna time travel. And if the house has to mean something, then maybe the renovation is in the mid, you know, it's, it's usually the story should be about the most important moment of a character's life or whatever. And so I won't spoil like much of the story, but basically sure. I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if someone had spent so much of their time trying to time travel to the point that they ne- started neglecting everyone else around them, um, even divorcing their wife and then boom, they go back in time. And what if they thought they, what if they thought it didn't work? until they heard their ex-wife's voice call them up, um, assuming like she has no idea what's going on. And you walk in and here you are seven years back in the past. And here's your ex-wife who's no longer, you know, full of conflict, but she's genuinely in love with you. And how would that night go? Um, Mm. And then what if all the friends you've been neglecting start showing up and patting you on the back? Um, So it just started snowballing. Um, and we, I kind of went the direction of what if this guy has to repeat his past footsteps in order to return home again, but you know, because he's divorced and has pushed everyone away, what if that means tonight was actually the night of his engagement party and he would need to propose to this woman he despises, uh, to get home. So that's where (laughs) that, you know, that's where it all comes from. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's, it's such a super idea for years i've spent every waking minute trying to achieve my dream of time travel even if it meant sacrificing some relationships you're gonna stop putting this in front of everyone else september 15th 2019 time travel launch test using Nicholas. now to prove my machine worked all we needed was a simple round trip to the past just pretend to be me easy right Take my come on. Sitties there, cutie pooty. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, uh, thanks. Hey! It worked. All the cabinets. No flooring. February 2012. Seven years. What are you doing? That nagging woman is my ex-wife. Hey, the man of the hour. What's up, buddy? How about a hug? Hey, Nick. No! Making large changes to the past will only result in the machine losing its connection to the present. Which means the only way to get back home is to change as little as possible. We had dinner and then our friends show up randomly and you're laughing and putting me off. And then you start acting like it's not even our anniversary. If you want my help, you need to tell me everything that happens tonight. I don't remember any of this. It was seven years ago. Did you honestly forget? Jess. Jess, wait, wait. We've been keeping your secret for over an hour. What are you waiting for? Champagne? The only way back, Frank, was to propose to my ex-wife. I could have done things right with them. You're going to throw away the best thing that ever happened to you. I mean, wow, where do we start with this? Because it's just so much fun to delve into how you did it. So well, let's talk about your writing process itself then. How did you actually sit down and write it? Did it just pour out of you? Had you do you put notes on the wall? How do you do it? Um, or how did you do it in this case? 
I, You're going to tell me you wrote it in two days now. <laughs> no, I didn't. I wrote it in about... Yeah, so this is actually kind of fascinating. I wrote it in about three months um, because it was like two to three months. Because the minute I had the inspiration, I was like, the longer it takes for me to write this, the more our house is already going through the renovation. So yeah. I need to get this script like really good, really fast. And that means a lot of as much revision as you can. But I guess my writing style would be plot out the arc of the hero. Uh, There's just so many inspirations, whether it's the simple save the cat stuff to um, YouTube videos of like Dove Simmons saying like you need mm-hmm. to have five oh shit moments um, to I, I'm, I'm kind of a um, I actually use spreadsheets, which is so lame and like mathematical. No. But I like to be able to like, like set my uh, headers and then be able to expand on them. Um, I don't know. So the, the cool thing about this that I never, I didn't really anticipate coming in was after we had shot act two. So like this humongous day of, uh, 61 pages. Well, now I started editing the film and just realized, you know what? I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not a good writer, but as you watch it, like you can see your final product and it's like, holy cow, I can really improve this film when we shoot acts one and three. If I revise just a couple things here, a couple things there, like things can be a lot tighter if, um, if I do so. So I actually had a seven month window in which I probably spent an extra month or two just revising the script knowing what the middle was um and then not to spoil anything but when we got to shooting on our second day we also altered some line did some adr we reshot half a scene um a bunch of stuff but we can get into that later it's very organic of course yeah very organic that you've managed to go okay i'm going to write this here's where i'm at we're going to shoot the first day and then looked at that started to edit it and realized oh hang on if i rewrite this bit and change that bit and that that works makes the story better and that's mm-hmm. i mean the, in, in last week's podcast they shot in five blocks and oh. within that they could then reshape the story and make it work now i've never done that way but there's so many people say it's really good so mm-hmm. you you had seven months to plan and prep and, and get it ready and build the house you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> renovating the house so obviously you're editing during that time mm-hmm. um and you put it all together. Which did you do yourself? Do you sit and edit it? Yeah, I did. And it's it's one of those cases where you you know the script the best. You were there. You saw all the things that went down. Um, and it, when it comes to the edit bay, I I would totally be willing to trust another editor to take it on. But it, for like no budget, what do you do? You just kind of kind of suck it up and things can't get done unless you're the one who's driving them forward so no you're right and and talking of budget then you you did a kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. right to raise some money how much did i mean if it's up to you if you want to say or not but how much did you manage to pull together in total to to make this so we raised forty three hundred dollars thankfully things like food and coffee and even a lot of equipment were donated or at least like discounted for us so Again, we're very fortunate in that sense. And, you know, it might take some extra investing depending on where, if the movie could go anywhere or anything like that. But right now, 4,300 was our total budget. That's really low. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in terms of crew wise, then, was it 
pretty much just you. <laughs> no, this Giles, I'm so excited to tell you all this. On the first shooting day, I, I knew to pull it off, we would need three people on camera, one person monitoring audio. So we had every single actor mic'd up. But we only had four wireless senders, per se. So we would, if it's a scene with these four people, we might unhook one person and hook them into the pack and have our sound guy monitor. And so that's me, me on Steadicam, two shooting, one audio. And then we had a first AD who was mostly there to just keep the things on schedule, maybe identify upcoming props. Um, and then we had five others who were going to be dedicated either production assistance or um, anything to help with lighting or running catering. Well, when it actually boiled down to it, this freaking blizzard that came in got two of them stuck in their car, literally up in their hometown, and they had a three-hour drive to go. And they're like, I don't think we can make this. Like, this is too dangerous. I said, don't risk your life. Uh, stay there. It's okay. Like you, it's just, we'll make it. Then another person got sick. Another person's, uh, f- uh, children were sick. Um, another person, I don't know. Long story short, our crew of 10 deflated to five. And, um, wow. That's really scary. And I almost didn't realize it because there was so, there was like 12 actors there. And thankfully, two of them jumped on um, to help kind of as crew because they love shooting stuff, too. But great. We were like Thank all God. the odds were against us. Grant, you were blowing my mind with. So you had five. Uh, you, uh, half your crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't make your first day. Yeah. Um, because you had a blizzard outside. But I love the fact that you went, I'm going to soldier on anyway. You know, mm-hmm. Tori's just made it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Mason. Heidgler, is that how you pronounce it? Heidgler. Um, Heidger, actually. Heidger. Yep. Thank you. So you've got Mason Heidger, mm-hmm. um, and you're there ready to shoot, and you go, oh, I don't, you know, if my crew aren't here, I've got to keep going. I've got to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, how were you the night before? Did you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> um, good question. So Thanks. the night before, I had picked up actors from, there was like three coming from Chicago, and Tori was the last one. And there's this... There's this great moment where two of them were getting on the train and they're like looking around for her, like, where is she? Where is she? And they're like, do we jump off? Do we wait? No, we got to get there because, um, we, we got to be able to rehearse too. So they decided, screw it. Let's just go. And I was supposed to pick them up at like 2 PM the day before. And I call them just to make sure like, Hey, your train's running on time, right? Even with this blizzard and everyone canceling. And they said, um, no, it stopped four times already. And we're currently sitting in the dark. There's no power. So <laughs> the, those are the guys oh who were gosh. technically on time or like on the first train. And, um, they were an hour and a half late. So, so I'm like basically, um, shuttling people. I'm driving through the blizzard. It's like not okay. Um, cause you know, no one can drive in Michigan once it snows even like an inch. So yeah. I'm bringing people back the night before, um, like I said, we rehearsed till like midnight and I knew these people need sleep. Um, I set up some lighting until about two and got props in order. And then I woke up again the next morning at six. So just to like go get our 
uh, coffee and things like that. You went and got the coffee because your other five crew weren't around. Well, <laughs> I love that you just went, yeah. I've got to go get the coffee. <gasps> I made four stops wow. in the morning. Oh, one thing was interesting. I, we, uh, because Mason and Tori were finally together. And this is a story yes. about time travel and nostalgia and what, what would it be like to go back in time? Um, we wanted, you know, a big part of the movie was looking back at old photos and remembering memories. Uh, so, we took photos of Mason and Tori that night at like midnight on my phone and uploaded yeah. them to like Walgreens and had them print them. So the following morning at like 7 a.m., I was buying the prints to use as props. Grant, this is just the best story ever. I love this. <laughs> and I love that you just went, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to make my film. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. This is just wonderful. So four hours of sleep. Four hours sleep. Okay, yeah. well, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> you, you've got your script. You've just got your actors. You're ready to shoot. You lose five crew. Mm-hmm. How then do you move forward? What do you do? I mean, how do you even plan to do something like that? What? what you, how? You've got to be so strict with time for one. Mm-hmm. How did you plan all your shots to go? Right, I'm going to cover this this way. Did you start me from your day at literally when you're going? Actors are coming in. How did you do it? How did you actually go, right, okay, this is this scene, going to do, did it. Talk me through it. So this was the plan. Everyone arrive at no later than 10 so we can rehearse for two hours and just basically run through act two and then break for lunch and then start shooting at like 1 or 2 p.m. all the way until midnight. And so that would give us roughly 10 hours to shoot everything. However... um, Mm. And it's, we kind of needed darkness because it was supposed to take place, like act two is all in the night. So for us, yeah. it, it wasn't going to get dark until mm, I think about four or five, but there were some basement scenes that we knew we could block out windows. Anyway, I now realize that was the dumbest choice I could have made because once you're in that scenario, like mm-hmm. n- all actors were supposed to arrive at nine 15 at day one. And when I, when it was 9.15, no actors were there. Everyone was delayed. So by 10.30 or 11, we finally were in a position to say, okay, let's start uh, rehearsing. We go down into the basement. We start rehearsing the first scene where they like, boom, they land in the past. And um, about 60 seconds into rehearsing, we just realized we need to start turning on cameras and turning on the mics because it's one thing to say like you've got two hours to do rehearsal do what you want it's another thing to say you've got 35 scenes to rehearse in two hours and each one they've got questions and they they're figuring Mm -hmm. out blocking like one scene could take 15 to half an hour just to talk it out yeah so we're like you know what you guys have kind of rehearsed this you're familiar with each other we need to just it's go time and we realized um uh uh-oh like Let's turn it up a notch and start. So um, we ended up shooting three scenes, which the one included, you know, a, um, a stunt double where he meets himself. So we had to, like, shoot that scene twice where wow. we have Mason coming down and as a younger yeah. self. Yeah, so he was switching costume and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm that, and that's your first, pretty much your first shot. Yeah, so you, yeah. You're already now massively behind. You're already um, now really worrying about we te- the rest of the day. We technically were starting the clock sooner, but we were negating all rehearsal. We were just like, you know what? 
when you're actually faced with this challenge, you just realize every single minute in which cameras can be rolling is so much mm -hmm. more valuable than standing and talking. It's almost better to like try it and then work workshop yes. it as you shoot. Like you don't even know if you're only going to get some uh, some scenes. We did the whole scene in one take and never looked back, which is scary. But imagine if you shot that first scene and then you said, you know what, let's tweak it and you do it again and you tweak it and you do it again. Well, now that very first take in which it wasn't really right, now you've got all lines of potential ADR that you can slip in, um, maybe cutaway shots if part of the take worked, but some didn't. So it just boiled down to like, we just got to shoot um, and as fast as we can. How are the actors then with that? I, I mean, crew will probably just go, fine, fine, let's get on with it. But your mm -hmm. actors that's quite a challenge for them to go, but I haven't found my character yet. I, have, I, I don't know my relationship with my wife or ex-wife at this point. And how were they? Was it just blowing their mind or was it, I hope they just went, no, I'm going to just jump in and go, sod it. Let's just do this. First off, they all kind of knew like what they were signing up for. And they knew like, this is yeah. sort of uncharted territory. Like we don't even know what's going to happen, but just got to be ready to, when it's your turn, you got to like step up to the plate basically. Um, and thankfully, Mason and Tori did chat for like an hour and a half the night before and kind of figure out where they were. And they talked with me. Um, so we were always we were all on the same page. It was just like when you've never even some of these people had never, of course, never even walked into my house before. They don't know the blocking or even like the layout of some of these things. Yeah, Where's the kettle? Where's the cupboard to get a plate out or whatever? It's all yeah, these things that, come, yeah. that you normally do. If it's your house, you just go do it. Mm -hmm. And you go, follow me, I'm just going to make a cup of tea. But for Tori or for Mason, they're kind of like, well, I'm going to make a cup of tea, but I have no idea where anything is. And that's just going to look ridiculous. So, mm -hmm. I mean, wow. So, yeah, I suppose, like you say, work. if you did a take, you went, look, let's just go for it. Let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Then, you, you, like you say, you might find a nice cutaway there that could be really useful. Or um, you, you, you were directing as you were going. I yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's the really tricky thing about shooting like this is at the end of the day, if we were to make it out alive and survive the night, I cannot <laughs> be going and looking over the shoulders of my camera people and saying, that's a good shot. Like they almost mm. had to be their own director and trust their instincts. And I, I couldn't. There was a moment where one of our shooters, Dimitri, asked me, what white balance are you at? And I was like, that's cute. I'm going to tell you what it is, but you will, <laughs> when the day gets, this was actually on, um, shooting day two, not this first day, but I told okay. him once this thing turns up and we can't, like, once the train starts going, you won't have time to ask me that. And I trust you. So, um, like, mm. you know, it was a lot of, I trust the actors and I trust them. And with Mason pulling off, you know, 106 pages of dialogue in two days. Yeah. I, there's no room for me to say, you know what, Mason, I think you should take the whole character this direction. You just have mm -hmm. to sort of like, we had talked enough and he was in tune with what I was um, looking for. So I had to just ensure all other actors were kind of playing it, his, in, playing it with him as opposed to them misinterpreting things if that makes sense it does yes mm -hmm. i love this it's so much fun to just i'm imagining what you were going through i'm imagining what the actors were going through <laughs> and just kind of loving it the same, i'm seeing it from the outside so i'm mm -hmm. all right 
yeah. <laughs> looking in going, wow, I want to watch this whole thing. Uh, and you've got some brilliant behind the scenes uh, videos as well that people can see. Yes. Um, but on your website, um, which is, I might as well say it now, makingtimethemovie.com. Um, mm-hmm. What? Woo, <laughs> so much fun. So <laughs> I, I suppose it's a little way like shooting a concert or an event in a small way of sort of saying to mm-hmm. your, ca- your, your camera team, look, I'm going to, when you see me pick, picking up that shot, you pick up the other one type thing at first. And then once you've done it once saying, what did you get? Uh, I got this. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Is that how it worked with your crew? Um, the team? It kind of did. Um, and remember when you're, when you're the director, you're going to be getting questions from everyone at all times. So yes, when it came time for the camera people, it be, it became such a shorthand of just like, are you getting that? And I'm saying, yep. And they know that because I'm on a steady cam, I'm mostly wide, but I had to tell them like, hey, if this is, so I, my wife and I shoot a lot of weddings and we just know mm. when you shoot a wedding and you're going for like the sexy shots of the bride and groom walking down the path or whatever, we just kind of say like, I'm going to cross your path. I'm going to, I'm basically going to ruin your shot right now, but it's only because I know this is going to be, um, really, you know, the, the best shot I'm going to use in the edit. The best shot on this camera. Yeah. It's yeah. better for me to do that. Yeah. yeah. So when it came time for the camera people, I would say after 30 minutes or something, there was almost no questions. Occasionally they would say, I just want you to know I got an awesome shot of that. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> but beyond that, it's like questions from actors. So it's it, it's like you kind of have to – it's not that you pick your pick your audience as to who to talk to. But they – you know, for them, it's more like, yeah, like an event coverage. So they know, you know, get good framing. And I told them if – just know you're your own per, you're your own independent shooter and if you don't exactly nail your shot then get like get it next time or get it in focus as quick as you can because mm-hmm. like just trust that you've got two other shooters who are hopefully getting something that is and I say hopefully they're getting hopefully, something yeah. that's just as good um and because of course you, that could have go ahead sorry yeah i was going to say at that point like that you you just drop the camera down it just goes out of focus the same time could be happening on another camera uh, it, it mm-hmm. just it's like oh, they both go at the same time which must have happened a couple of times where you just go oh, okay well, we're going to have to stick with the wide <laughs> or keep the out of focus one because hey that's that's what we've got yeah and the the goal here like anyone can grab three cameras and shoot it sitcom style and just be like yeah this mm. is easy we're always like sure but our goal was I come kind of from a cinematography background and I know we're just, we're breaking cinematographers' hearts doing what we're doing because sure. we're not a hundred percent utilizing, you know, the psychology of the audience based on where the camera's at and movement of the camera, but I'm trying to infuse it as the day goes on. And especially with a steady cam that's well balanced, if you can operate it well, it does not replace a dolly or, or a jib or anything, but you can get things that are pushing in the right direction. So it was, it was trying as much to do the thousands of cinematic shots in my head as I was writing the script in the edit bay, recognizing like, you know, maybe this is that moment for the close up shot or, you know, the rack focus or. Yeah. Cause you, you must have just been like, look, I'm, I'm going to have to do it this way mm-hmm. because time. 
times mm-hmm. against you. Uh, so it's Chelsea Kimbra and Kevin Neil Smith were your other two uh, camera operators, cinematographers on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and fair play to them. Fair play to you all, really, for doing it. So, if, so you're rehearsing it and you're going through uh, and you're not rehearsing now anymore. You're just mm-hmm. shooting it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you kind of go, yes, we've got it. Let's move on to the next scene. Was it kind of like, I feel I'm fine? Yeah, so I... I basically oh, said to my on? shooters, like, we kind of had to break habits. And I said, look, because uh, very early in the day, there may have been a moment where, like, let's say Kevin said, could we take that one more take I just missed? And after about one time of those, I said, all right, guys, if you feel like you've got 80% of the way there, and I'm, and I'm, I do feel pretty confident with most of my stuff, then we just have to keep going. Um, and to put it into perspective, we had 35 scenes to shoot, you know, because we just started our schedule early and we had a stunt double scene and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We had three scenes done by lunchtime. So it was like, like basically, Ooh. you know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah, mate, my, my, just my heart just went for you then. My, I, I think everyone listening just went, oh God, <laughs> everyone knows when it comes to lunchtime and you've only... You know your days behind, and this is just a normal, mm-hmm. say shoot. You do normal film when you know you've got another seventeen days or whatever to shoot. Yeah, and it, and gets, you're it going... gets it gets worse. Like, or not worse, but crazier. It gets crazier. Go on, tell me, tell oh. me what happened next because uh, this is just mind blowing and wonderful at the same time, and I'm so <laughs> excited. I kind of want to be there. I want I want to be there and witnessing this amazing achievement, uh, and also the fact that you got some amazing footage and you really really got some great performances and you know it's testament to everyone involved really but do you know what would have really helped you grant is by using the shot list app what's that sorry sorry oh yeah this is this is an advert (laughs) this is a promo because i'm giving away that's why grant's not responding because i'm doing this afterwards because i'm giving away free copies of Shotlister app but what would have helped grant is if he'd had that app instead of having them on bits of paper when he was suddenly moving around moving shots around really quickly and going oh we have to move from there to there to keep his crew up to speed he could have just gone on his app and said right we're now doing scene three later in the day so let's just slide that down oh and all the rest pop up into place oh hang on i'm moving my shot from there to there i'm going to do the wide first instead of the close-up right i'm just going to move the wide down the the close-ups all pop up it is brilliant it's such a cool app if nothing else download it for free and test it out because i'm giving them away for free that's right you lucky filmmakers podcast listeners and you lovely people that you are you can get it for free all you got to do is email filmmakerspodcast at shotlister.com say listen to the podcast and you want your free copy and you can say if you want it on your phone or on your mac or if you're on pc good luck to you uh, but you can get it there uh so yeah this is the shotlist app i love it it's crazy people are going crazy for it loads of people have got it recently uh through us guys so if you haven't got yours yet get it have a play enjoy especially short films filmmakers doing bigger films it's brilliant on set i promise you Sorry, Grant. What what was that? You were you were saying something. Wait, no, no. I think I think Charles is going to speak first. <laughs> End of promotion. Okay. So what what happened next? You, you, it's lunchtime. You've only got three scenes in the can. Everyone's probably a little bit panicked. It's probably food on the go. It's probably let, let's just eat these sandwiches as we go, <laughs> right? Yeah. I well, mean, I, I'll say this: none of us had any sense of negativity or dread or doubt or anything like that, um, because I'm kind of. I'm basically setting the example, you know, as the director, you, I, I'm pretty even keeled 
through most scenarios anyway. So mm. I was really happy that we did those three scenes as as opposed to you know starting at one or two p.m. So I'm like, okay, we're actually ahead of schedule right now. As ironic okay. as that may sound now, yeah, um, that's we were, really ironic. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you were so, ahead of schedule. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so people are eating lunch and pretty much vibes are high. Like we're like, you know, that stuff looked pretty cool. We love we love the super dark contrasty stuff that we were getting with the lights. Uh, for the early scenes, my fifth crew member, who was originally our makeup artist slash um, like first AD, she was now doing makeup AD, running to get catering, um, props, and also script supervising. So she's just like one in five. Her name is Tess Hotstein. She's just incredible. Well, she had to wow. go get our lunch. She had to leave at 11 because of how bad the roads were to go pick things up and be back by noon. Well, at 11.15, while we're in the middle of a scene, I get a call and I'm like, hey, Tess, what's up? And she's like, well, I only made it about 20 feet out of your driveway and I'm stuck in a snowbank. <laughs> <laughs> so we all like so literally our cats and crew ran out and like pushed her out of the snow so she could oh keep going. I love the fact that you didn't have lunch there already. I love the fact that she had to go out and get it. I love well, that it was, even it was being not um, make pasta don- before or anything. It was being before. it was being donated to us and it was like a gift. So we were like, well the least we could do is pick it up for you. Uh, that, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now. And plus you didn't expect this blizzard. You didn't expect so you thought she'll just whiz out, yes. grab it and come back. Yes. Uh, and now she's got stuck in snow and ruined a take by calling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. I was just happy she was, you know, o- like alive basically. Alive, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that shows how nice guy you are. We then ate our lunch and from 1 is when we or like 12:45 1 is when we picked back up. Um, and shot until about 5.30, and we covered five more scenes, and these were scenes in which they were supposed to be nighttime, but they were in a bedroom, so we went and, like, blacked out the curtains, or we basically mm-hmm. had that preset, so we were, okay, we were able to shuffle those through, and those were actually some of the most heartfelt, like, powerful scenes of the story. Um, yeah. So it was good to sort of use our time and not necessarily rush those scenes and a funny story is one of our actresses she's donating her time she was getting done with a project and the blizzard had slowed her down and she didn't get to my house until like roughly like 4 30 or something and i swear to god there was a moment we finished a scene at like 4 29 i look at my phone and literally 30 seconds ago julie texts me i'm at your house so i'm like Send her down. We, we just finished this scene and she's literally in the next scene if we can keep going <laughs> chronologically. So she said she like had a ball. She like took her coat off and someone ran up to her and put a mic on her and they're like, they're ready for you. And she like literally ran up the stairs. Um, I said, hello. Uh, it's so great to meet you because I had not met her in person yet either. <laughs> oh, that's, this is, this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but she had actually rehearsed with Mason Pryor. So their scene was like oh, dynamite. Okay. Like she killed it. We are all eating dinner and everyone's having a good time. We're like, man, yeah. we're really moving fast. I, like my shooters were like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen any production shoot this fast. Like, this is just impressive. No one's heard this before. This is pretty much unheard of. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the way, how many pages, you say we did five scenes. How many pages are in those 
<sighs> scenes? Is it is it one pages or is it kind of five pages? Just so we get a, an assessment in our heads. Those are bigger scenes, so it was probably mm, two to three pages a scene, I would guess. Uh, okay, uh, all right. So yeah, it's the like usual that. standard sort of scenes. Okay, cool. All right, so you're yeah. having dinner. Um, you're all feeling confident. Yeah. And. So we're having dinner. Yeah. So I'm looking at the production, like the schedule and, um, Tess was in between getting her car out and getting food. She was checking off all the scenes we had shot and I'm looking at it and like the whole page is white and I'm like mm-hmm. nine check marks. Uh, well, so I started recounting the scenes. I'm like, okay, uh, Mason goes and sees all his old friends. I'm like, yeah, we definitely didn't shoot that. Okay. Now he has to take his wedding ring off cause he gets caught with it or whatever. Okay. We didn't. So I'm like going through line by line and I just, I realized it was dinner time, 6 PM and there was nine scenes done and we had 26 more to do by midnight. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was probably the scariest moment. Uh, it was like very surreal. Like I started to shake a little bit. Like, uh, holy shit, what do we do? What would have happened? And this is this. What would have happened if you hadn't? And maybe you didn't make the day. But did you have a backup? Did you have a plan? Mm-hmm. In were you going to shoot throughout the night? What was your in your mind? What did you think? Or did you just think, oh no, twelve o'clock, we'll all be finished on time. It'd be easy. <laughs> well, in my mind, I thought, you know, if we over, if we go over till let's say two, because I also don't, I don't want to piss people off. So I'm like, if we finish by, if we go over two hours, I think that's understandable. Um, but I did not yeah. want to go to like six a.m. or anything like that. And there was definitely no like, oh, we're just gonna keep. Sh- we'll do it the following night, like on Sunday night. Like, no, that. It wasn't even in the process, in the cards. So we were supposed to start hanging cabinets the next day for our, <laughs> our kitchen. <laughs> what people were coming around or you were doing it? Uh, my wife and I. So we just had, you right. know, and you'll literally see in the movie boxes, like tons of boxes of cabinets just sitting there. Uh, we literally were hanging those the, the whole next week. So. Um, we just had stuff to do, you know? (laughs) I love it. You were like, no, no, I've got a hand cabinet. Sorry, the film. Yeah, we're gonna, these scenes, well, it's gonna miss them because we've got a hand cabinets tomorrow. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, it was just one of those things where I'm already, you know, asking my wife to put our entire life on hold for a, for this. So it's like, the more I stretch it out and say, well, it's gonna be like another extra weekend, it's just, it's not yeah, what it I just never, signed up for. Yeah, you'll never get to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to stick to it. Fine. Yeah. So now it's now it's dinner time. You have, mm-hmm. you know, am I right in thinking three hours yeah. to shoot or 35 pages? Six hours left six hours. to do six 26. And that means we had to basically average five scenes an hour without like taking a single breath. And um, so I went to my fellow shooter and producer kevin smith and I, kevin smith yeah yeah uh <laughs> not really but kevin neil smith okay fine. and i showed him what i just told you and said so that's what we're faced with and he basically <laughs> stared at it for a second um he, he took another bite of his um food and said well i guess we should get started sooner than later huh and Brilliant. um at that point i went over and stood up on top of a chair and everyone's laughing this is that moment like the titanic sinking and no one knows but me so i'm i'm standing on top of this chair i'm like hey everyone um we've been doing awesome stuff like i'm really proud of what tori and mason are pulling off and everyone's doing great 
However, we have 26 scenes left to do, and we've done nine. And these are about to be scenes with like eight people in it or six people in it, not just one-on-one stuff. And that means some of you may not have had time to properly rehearse with me present um, or maybe never rehearse some of these at all. But this is the nature of what we signed up for. And I know we're going to do great, but y'all have about two minutes left to finish what you're eating. Um, and we have to clean this whole kitchen out and start laying props back in for the actual oh, scene. And I like clap my hands and within, I swear to God, like 90 seconds, every single hand was on deck. Everything was shifted. I was grabbing my steady cam, and this was the big moment where our character comes out of the basement and sees his um, ex-wife younger again. And the ba- the whole room had to be like dead uh, empty, just like boxes of kitchen cabinets and like work lights just laying around and stuff. And mm-hmm. I steady cammed basically that whole scene. Um, and at one point in the edit, I was kind of proud. We have a two and a half minute long take of just wow. close up to wide to close up to shifting to two shot, like going all around um, and trying to show off. Because I know in the in the movie, when you end up watching this, this is the first time you get to see that house change. So I wanted to just like let it be wide and let it breathe and really swoop around so you can like see every corner and see like we didn't fake this. This is truly you know, a year ago when we filmed this or whatever. So Mm. that scene um, we pulled off in five minutes because there's like that two and a half minute take, which was sort of a wonder at the end. And I was just like, I'm proud of this. We got to keep going. Like this was definitely better than 80% rule. And I told Tess who had now like, you know, six hats on or whatever. I'm like, Hey, you have to hold me to a maximum of 10 minutes per scene. And just like, seriously, even yell at me if you need to. And, and there's no bickering on our sets. There's no yelling. But I no, said, you no. may have to just straight up say, like, Grant, we got to move on. And so we then did, we shot the next scene. And that one we did in three minutes and flat. And it was like, wow, we did it. Okay, great. Oh. And now I'm like, this is the scene with eight people in it. And everyone has a, everyone has a line of dialogue and we only have four mic packs go. And I, I told them, guys, this is a big, long scene and everyone's got, you all have questions about where you should be, what you should be, you know, temperament and stuff. I'm like, I need you to try to pull this off in one. And if we need to do a second take, we'll do a second, but it's a chaotic scene and we just got to roll with it. And we did it. And then we decided to do it one more time. And then we had to move mic packs to different actors just to get some, uh, extra lines of you know adr basically and when we finished that scene tess yelled out that was 26 minutes and i just thought oh my god and she said you have to average six scenes an hour uh for the next five hours and we'll make it i'm like oh my god so it's like okay next scene we're going and so we started Literally, like, no breath. Just started picking off scenes, like, a four-minute scene, a seven-minute scene, a two-minute scene. Just, like, and each time, and Mason was such a pro. Like, you have to realize, he's got dialogue. He's literally the in every it's shot. In, nearly every scene, Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah dialogue in every scene, or certainly big acting stuff, you know? Yeah, and you can almost feel it uh, in the final film. The When, when we went frantic, when it's like that 
burst into mm. party scene and all these characters show up, m- the character in the movie is supposed to feel like, what's going on? What's going on? All these, like, he hasn't seen these people. He doesn't even know what night it is. So he's trying to, like, figure out where what the hell is happening. And meanwhile, our shooting style became very frantic, too. So in, like, that weird way, like, things kind of feel right when you watch the film. Like, it doesn't look like a slap job. It's, like, it's shot right. Um, but it's fast, like very fast. And of course, I'm using the steady cam to like swing left, swing right, trying to play off the chaos of it. Yeah, totally. How did you feel? Because it must have felt amazing. And hearing it, it's just, you know, I'm visualizing it and it's blowing my mind. It's wonderful and it's chaotic and it's that whole thing that filmmaking often is anyway. Mm-hmm. When you get to like, you've got five minutes left, everyone, shit, you had that shit all the time it's like oh my god right and again oh my god new scene oh my god yeah. how did you feel you're just like in the zone and it's filmmaking it's the it's the best part like uh jim mm. jarmusch says it's like it's the act of sex during the whole process so it's like you're seeing these characters come to life um you're trusting in mason's instincts um it was just i don't know and i knew there was no turning back like once this once this day was over, you can't just bring actors back and do pickup shots because the mm. house is going to change forever. Um, so it just felt good. It felt like so fun. Um, I don't know. I, I actually loved it. However, at the same time, I was, I could recognize if you didn't have proper rehearsal time, you are doing a disservice to actors who are, they're trying to be as authentic as possible. And if they don't mm. have time to settle in and and get there it's it's like asking them to act with a hand behind their back and as much as i wish i could now um require everyone like you have to rehearse um every single person find a date with mason and do it we tried that for shooting the second day it worked for the most part like two-thirds of it was rehearsed um outside uh, of the day but uh you know i it's it's just crazy. It was it's, it's and, crazy. And Mason's such a pro. He's he's pulling off. Someone asked him in an interview at the end of the day, "What was your favorite scene to shoot?" And he said, "Well, I don't I don't even remember what happened five scenes ago or fifteen or twenty five. Like I don't even know." But yet when he acted it, he pretty much never missed a line, and he like led the team. So it was really a I don't know. It's just a testament of how good an actor someone can be and pushing mm. pushing it to the limit of what can be achieved in just like one night, basically. It really is. It really is. And I think you, I mean, maybe you lucked out massively because you could have had a diva on your hands. So, well, no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. And, you know, and suddenly, you, yeah, you're still on scene three and mm-hmm. it's tea time. You yeah. know, uh, I, I think... It really is testament to you had an amazing team and you lucked out massively, even though you got unlucky with losing five crew members and <laughs> the blizzard. But it sounds like the people who were there were just immense and, yeah, heroes forever. And I think that's really amazing. Okay, so did you... Uh, the big question is, did you make your day? Did, did okay, you so we finished with two scenes left to go at midnight. So, yes, we wow. pretty much made our day, but the last two scenes, and I, I won't, like, spoil the story, were, Please, like, yeah, one was a very heartfelt, like, big, like, almost, a, if Act 2 had a climax, like, this was basically the climax. And so, um, but it's, you know, it's a time travel romance or, like, an adventure romance. So, 
we actually, I talked with the two leads and said, you know, we could keep rushing and get this whole scene done in like 12 minutes. But if you want, we can slow things down and like make it the best we can be. And we did sort of like, you know, a 30 minute per scene thing. Um, and then we realized at like 1.30 a.m., oh shit, we still have to shoot young Mason, uh, who is basically tied up. We still had to throw the duct tape on his mouth and stuff. Stuff like that, uh, which Mason like was not looking forward to at like one thirty in the morning. Um, but he's such a trooper, and he just did it. He's like, "What? Like this is what I this is what I live for." So he he was awesome. Um, and yeah, yeah, we finished at two, com- like a comfortable end where we're like, "All right, cool." Like no one no one's upset. We knew it'd be crazy and not too bad. Uh, especially when yeah, I was well really done. proud of the performances we were getting. Yeah, yeah, you must have been. You must have been. So mm-hmm. what, at two o'clock, does everyone just disperse and you were left to build your cabinets the next day? <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is, while oh, I can't believe this. While we were shooting the movie, I wanted to make a documentary about the process because I thought, man, this mm. is too crazy. Like, people got to yeah, know about this. To, uh, people should have a look at this because it's amazing. Makingtimemovie.com. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you can uh, see loads of behind the scenes and you can purchase uh mm-hmm. a sort of a brilliant um full behind the scenes right of h- how you did it there's a pre-order thing and we i'm actually in the middle of the edit right now and it's going to be like an eight episode uh basically series sort of a bingeable series because there's just so much like you're hearing a lot mm-hmm. of it now um but hearing the actors perspectives too is like really interesting and seeing us fly around is it's quite silly <laughs> it's quite something yeah right? yeah um, so yeah do check that out so when so when do you think that will be ready sort of like a couple of months or you got more cabinets to build is it in the way <laughs> um i it'll probably be done in one to two months and like depending on when your listeners hear this it might be done already so um okay. either way i will definitely inform them um on all that stuff and if they are cool listeners um i did make an additional web page for so making time the movie.com slash podcast and there's discounts for all the um things you could pre-order ah okay amazing so um did you (laughs) you've slept well i imagine when you woke (laughs) up did you actually start doing the cabinet that's right i'm sorry yeah so i i finished so we wanted to do interviews all day so in between scenes i've got people going up to a different room to do their interviews talking about things and yeah. um i finished my interview at like three thirty, four 4 a.m because i was waiting for like mason to do his interview and stuff what a trooper and um <laughs> then at six i had to take the chicago actors back to the train station i was station. gonna say you've got to take people back because you brought them in yeah it's like, right i have to do that so it's it still snow is it still a blizzard is it still <laughs> oh yeah it's just trash like roads are horrible so it took an hour to get them to the train station an hour to get back home i went to bed probably mm. around like nine or something i love it and then it's like now back to normal you know and that's what's lovely about indie filmmaking is that's life you know that's mm-hmm. how it is sometimes it's not there's no glamour yeah it's he must have felt incredible. Uh, and yeah, he just must have been buzzing. I mean, even though you weren't looking at the footage, you knew what you got. Yeah, you yeah. You must have thought, oh my God, we pulled half of it off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like you're kind of in this like shock moment where you're just thinking, did we just do that? And you, mm. do, you can't wait to see the footage, but there's so much footage. It's insane. 
So then, uh, yeah. so then you, 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 you're doing the edit throughout that time. You're seeing what you've got. You know now, as we talked about earlier, what you missed and what you can pop in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then how did you plan the second part of this shoot? Now you've, you know, you've redecorated your house, you've refurbished the house. Mm-hmm. And what did you take with you from that first part of the shoot into the second part to say, right, we're going to do it differently or we're going to do it the same? You know, um, how was it? And did you get all the same team back as well? Yeah, great questions. The first thing we learned from a shooting like production strategy was the two leads needed to wear. We we just realized they must wear a secondary backup lav mic that's hidden in their clothes. That's um, just recording to an SD card because mm-hmm. there's there there was one or two moments throughout the day that we were like, dang man, I really I don't know why we didn't double mic them. That would have been brilliant, but. Um, you know, you get going so fast, you don't, you don't realize what you're missing every time when our audio guy is listening to four channels at once and yada, yada. Um, mm. and then also from a shooting standpoint, I identified 38 moments, 38 pickup shots that we could do that if we got them, they would, I would like pat myself on the back. Like, Hey, this would really tie the act to edit when, especially when shit went crazy. Um, We'd love to get them if we can. So I marked them all down on a spreadsheet, like this room, this character, yada, yada. So that was like one part of it. The other thing is there were six different actors that were returning and I could have used a little bit of ADR from each of them. So we actually set up like a mock ADR booth in the basement. And so we need to do that at the same time. There was also Mm -hmm. more behind the scenes interviews that we wanted to do. Uh, there was another scene we shot that after revising the script, we we're like, you know what? We could help turn this scene if we just partially reshot it. So we would need those actors to kind of remember that space, get in the exact same like angles and lighting. So we had to do a, a scene reshoot. Um, we also had, of course, the 48 pages of film to shoot. Uh, but two days before shooting, inspiration took hold and i realized man this film would really benefit if we could end with a final scene flashing to the future showing that essentially all is well so Ah, nice so two two days before shooting i contacted the two leads and said i know this is ambitious enough already but would you be would you be mad if we did another set of wardrobe you know revised some of the props in the house brought a child actor um, did all this stuff and they said oh, I love it you're bringing the child in bring a dog why not <laughs> yeah and they said alright uh, let's do it they like, they were like what do we got to lose so and I said if it doesn't work we'll cut it and if the child's pouty or something we cut it um, yeah. and then lastly uh, oh we also needed I realized we needed a poster that was better done than just pulling a still from footage so we set up a poster shoot too so we actually had like six different like really big things to do aside from or including shooting a shooting 50 pages that's so clever do you know it's so thoughtful and so clever that you even had the foresight to go well we need to get a poster while they're there and why don't we get a bit of ADR and why don't we do the behind the scenes while they're all there it really is thinking outside the box to go well now we can sell the movie because we have a poster we have some great behind the scenes mm-hmm. it's really I mean it's it's ridiculously ambitious um, but the fact is you, you went well sod it let's do it 
Yeah. And it's just incredible. It's incredible. Well, thanks, Charles. That really means a lot. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And what's um, ironic as well is the film is called Making Time. Mm-hmm. And that's something you didn't have. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, our documentary is called Making Up Time. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Perfect, um, perfect. So the other thing that I had learned going in this time, just from like a production day standpoint, like, all right, we can't let this happen to us again. Um I scheduled specifically 15 minutes per scene uh, with a lunch break and then two just sort of like random one hour breaks in the middle of the day as sort of either overflow or like, hey, this is when we're going to do our ADR or our pickup shots uh, uh, or poster shoot. And um, man, oh man. So this is basically how it went down. This time actors were supposed to arrive at uh, nine, <laughs> nine to ten. What's <laughs> coming? Yeah. Yeah. And so we were supposed to start like right at 10 and at 10, 15, we weren't quite ready. Actors are still getting there. 10, 30. I wasn't ready with props and like last few things with camera gear at 10, 45, Mason was starting to get nervous. Like, Oh no, like, here we go. This is, this is bad because when you schedule 15 minutes per scene and you're 45 minutes behind, now you're three scenes back and you've got yeah. uh day two, we had 25 scenes to do. So now it's like, uh oh. So I ended up going to Tess secretly and I said, Tess, I know we have 15 minutes per scene and some scenes we even have like 25 slotted because I knew they'd be tough. I'm like, cut all my times in half and lie to me all day. And if we, oh, yeah. Okay. So if we start a scene and like literally once we start after two and a half minutes goes by, just yell, there's only five minutes left. And she did that and it, put me in right back in that day one slash act two mode. We were starting the movie with our hero coming out of uh, his like basement, rushing around the house. He's too busy for life. He's got no time for anyone. So we actually, it played into our favor where our opening scenes, we shot them in like three minutes where it's basically a guy flying um, and you almost don't have time to catch him and see who he is until like things slow down. So, okay. By lunchtime, we were actually completely caught up, uh, which really surprised Mason because he was like, how? There's no, there's just no possible way we caught up. It's only been an hour and 30 minutes. And Tess is like, because I've been lying to you, Mason. And like, it was one of those big cathartic moments, you know? That's so good, except for the rest of the afternoon. He was like, well, I know you're lying now, so I'm going to take longer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But pretty much the rest of the day, went great um we it was like it's like as strange as it sounds Tess says in the documentary um well we all had a one-day experience on our hands with this so we all know a lot more about what we're doing this time around and we we felt like because the actors actually had rehearsed a little bit more coming in everyone was so and you know Mason had been in my house he had like seen like every bedroom at this point um Mm. things were in general just all around smoother uh, we ended up finishing that night. Uh, there, you know, there was some kind of crazy things. Like I knew we would need to light or we would need to cook some popcorn and microwave to the point in which it was, um, smoking. And I wasn't okay. sure if that would yeah. light on fire and things like that. But, uh, and like breaking a prop and smashing a picture frame. There's a lot of like these variables that I was like, I don't even know if the kid's going to act good or not. Like we'll just, yes. we'll figure it out on the fly. And, Thankfully, our crew, we, we end up having nine people. So all pretty much all was well. Um, 
It was that's a great. very great successful day. Like to get all that ADR and pickup shots and like, man, it's mm. crazy. And the poster turned out aw- like just fantastic. Yeah. I've got three burning questions for mm-hmm. me. Uh, so how did you light it? Because mm-hmm. obviously if you've got three roving cameras, how do you even put lights in the space? How do you even say, okay, well, this could go here? Because when you put, you bring your shot in, you're like, oh, no, the light can't go there anymore. How did you go about that? What did you do? So for about half of the scenes, we used kind of like grid lighting. So we'd put like for the basement, as an example, we had four lights down there and they were all on each wall shooting in. So kind of wherever actors walked, they'd always be within sort of the zone of being lit. And it's not like, don't even get me wrong. This you you can't there's no way this could even be pulled off if you're going for perfect lighting. We just knew they had to be lit. And so then for more like quiet scenes or slowed down scenes like in a bedroom, you know, I know photographers, they'll shoot their flash up at the ceiling because when it bounces down, you've got a great soft floodlight. So a lot of that was just flooding the ceiling and letting it fall down um, in addition to any practicals that might be like little kickers around the room. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, use practicals and then a bit of bounce from the top. and mm-hmm. kickers. Great. All right. That's it's in my head now. Now I can see it. Thank you. I was always imagining lighting stands everywhere and going, all right, how are you going to shoot around them? But mm-hmm. you just kind of didn't use that so much. Um, okay, that's that's great. Um, should people do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, Is, do, would you recommend someone doing a movie in two days? Well, Victoria did it in two and a half hours, so... I'm, Though technically, <laughs> yeah. I think that, yeah, that is a month before plus loads of prep whereas you actually did it in two days when i when i walked out of day one i just thought i don't know you know because the filmmaking medium itself requires massaging scenes and testing things and trying it out but at the same time sometimes the general audience member out there has no idea and they they don't have a clue and they also don't care if your light is slightly off or on so true yeah. they're very story, isn't it? if yeah if they're invested in the story and i kind of had to like when i brought mason on and, and um actors i kind of had to say look this is going to sacrifice certain things aka um lighting cinematography and possibly uh shot composition depending on who's shooting and if we treat it as hierarchy Number one, story matters most. Number two, I think acting then matters most. Number three, sound and score. And after that, everything else is kind of like very important. But if if you had to scrap anything, you couldn't scrap like those top three or four things. So mm. when I was done with the first night, I kind of felt like um, I don't know how right this is for this for a movie that you you're going to spend two years on. But then when I watched the footage and I realized, you know, because you have this doubt when you're shooting, there were moments that I'm shooting, um, let's say, Katie Sullivan, like one of the supporting actors, where I'm over the shoulder of Mason and I don't even know his reaction. There's no time to even like think about or you, you, you can't go around and look and say, is he playing the scene right? You just have to really trust. And it wasn't until I watched the footage like two months later, I'm like, oh, that's what he did. And like <laughs> the amazing thing is, man, if you've got talented people and you trust them and you're obviously you can't even get close to micromanaging, but you just trust and let good people do their thing. Um, I think, yeah, with like leadership, it can work. 
And of course, when we finished day two, I was like completely a different、uh, reaction. I thought, wow, we could easily do a, a movie in two days, no problem.、Um, because day two even had like a second location to drive to and shoot there, and we had to、oh uh, rig some lights <laughs> for that. Yeah, so I just feel like it's absolutely achievable. That's so nice to hear. I suppose what it is is. You can spend quite a long time perfecting something, but actually,、right. movie magic and the moment and the just the the sheer heart beating. Well, let's see what we get.、Mm-hmm. Can be magical, you know. Sometimes the best, some of the best shots in the day are just like, right, let's just get that shot. Let's get it, and you go, oh wow, okay, that magic happened, or something. The way they turned, the light hit the face at the right time. You can't plan that sometimes, and right, and imagine that just happened throughout the whole movie. Here, you're just like, well, we're gonna get what we get. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think the director of Looper,、uh, Rain Johnson, I think he said that the movies that he has shot with film on, the minute the cast hear the cast、yeah. and crew hear the film gate or like sh- or the clapper, turning clap, the money going, yeah, money, 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 money. He said the sound it makes.、Yeah. He said there's a certain vibe where people are just like, hey, we're in this together, and it's exhilarating, and there's no turn like we got to do this, and I feel like. When you're put under such constraints like this, it's the it's the same except amplified. Where it's like, like this this is the craziest thing, and you may call it irresponsible, but I call it there was no way to do this other than in this one necessity. I've met our lead actress Tori two times in person in my life, and each time she shot half a movie in my house, and now she's out in L.A. So it's like that's it's crazy camaraderie on the spot, and there's so much like. I don't like adrenaline and energy, but it has to come top down. Like if you've got, you can't hire a like if Mason was some sort of diva actor. There's just no way I would have even like offered it、yeah. to him. That sort of thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it's knowing your team and knowing your crew around you. So, how do people watch this film? I know so many people are now going to be going. I want to watch this movie. I want to see how he did it. I want to see the behind the scenes. Where can people go? So they can go to makingtimethemovie.com. And you will see a pre-order link.、Um, and again, if you're listening to this, of course you are. Then you can go to、uh, backslash podcast, and there will be discounted offers for anyone、uh, who might want to see, let's say, movie, the behind-the-scenes documentary series that we're currently putting together, as well as a ton of other things.、Um, there's not only DVD versions as well as streaming links, but I'm pretty much making even our Blu-ray version available and other things too. So. Anyone who's interested at all, like any money we raise, would probably use towards any distribution or festival chances that we get out of this. So that's amazing. And、um, what do you want to do with it? Then obviously you want to get distribution for it. Are you even looking at that at the moment?、Um, What's your plan? <clears throat> I've had a few sale agents reach out to me, but at this time we'd rather see what an audience like. We'd rather try to go for the biggest. Um, you know, exposure and festival experiences we can get. So,、uh, I was originally because due to the nature of the year that we're finishing our film,、um, there was a handful of festivals that reached out and said we are interested in this. And I've I made the decision. Let's wait for Sundance and let's if it's your only you know if it's your one shot. Might as well put it out there, and if it if nothing comes of it, then、uh, we can always come back around next year and do the festival around then. All right, yeah. So, but at least you've got your plan. At least you know、mm-hmm. what you're trying to do, and yeah, that's super exciting. And honestly, it's a massive achievement. You should be so proud. 
Grant Pitchler, I am proud of you. Uh, and yeah, please go support him. Go support the filmmaking time. Uh, I'll put all the links in the show notes so you can go there and check it out. And um, where can people follow you on the social media, Grant? I, I don't have a Twitter. Um, what? I don't have an Instagram. Uh, what? They can honestly, if they have questions or anything thing like that, they can email my name, grantpickle at gmail.com or makingtimethemovie at gmail.com. I am on Facebook and LinkedIn. There is a Making Time the Movie um, social media page. I, it's facebook.com slash makingtimethemovie. And if you search like Making Time, a feature film shot in two days, I think that will pull it up. Great. But you're not on Twitter for those? No. How come? That is a reason? Is it? Just because it'd be interesting to know, because I'm all for it. I just think people should push their film out as much as possible to other filmmakers and, and to people who want to find something like this. Say, well, then you'll probably find us on Twitter soon. <laughs> there you go. You'll find them on Twitter. I'll put the links in. Um, Grant, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Hey, thanks so much, Charles. I just appreciate the podcast and being able to hear everything. And it's like little bits of my brain have come from this podcast throughout the past like through for years and it's like i can't even thank you uh for all the information that you're bringing together with it so thank you so much Charles. wow thank you man that's really nice to hear i appreciate that a lot uh, and if it can inspire anyone in any way it's amazing that's why we set it up to do that i wanted to learn myself and you know and get the word out about our films as well so yeah that's amazing amazing thank you uh, and remember if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it's your duty to send the elevator back down if you want to be on the podcast if you've got a film that you have made that you're getting out there into the world then get in touch with us at filmmakers pod or me at charles alderson and you could also be on the filmmakers podcast um follow us in all the usual places and if you like this give us a five-star review on itunes and uh, subscribe to us on podbean as well why not grant thank you so much for your time thanks charles i'm going to spend the weekend I might as well make a film Uh, I've got two days (laughs) renovate the house in between honestly it's so inspiring I I can't wait for people to to let me know what they think of your film so yeah um, have a great time whatever you're doing Grant enjoy your enjoy your time I look forward to seeing what you do next perfect well thanks so much Charles I appreciate it cheers everyone take care and we'll see you next Tuesday bye